welcome to episode 44 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. This week, I read Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Christian and I both watched the movie Cooties, and Christian is going to talk about the movie Hellboy that was just released on DVD. And finally, we are going to discuss the Sony-Disney saga involving Spider-Man. Well, first, Eric, you read Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, which is book one of a, a whole series, I believe. So what did what did you think of this one? I, I was really surprised by this one, Christian. I really enjoyed this one. It was a recommendation by uh, a friend of a friend, and I'd always thought these were more children's books, and, and they, re- they really are. It, it follows the 12-year-old Percy Jackson as he goes on a quest. But really, it reminded me more of like a book one of the Harry Potter series where even an adult would enjoy it. I knew this was young adult. I was excited to see what uh, what you thought of it as a, as a full adult <laughs> to see if it still kind of held up. Yeah, so the, you know, the book follows the basically quest of Percy Jackson as he discovers that he is a demigod. Uh, there's going to be some spoilers in this. This book was released in 2005, but I'm not going to go into the final spoilers. But he is the son of one of the gods. You find out who that god is. And then he has to go on a quest to essentially stop a war between the gods because Zeus's lightning bolt was stolen. So he has to find out who stole it and get it back to Zeus or else there's going to be a war between the three most powerful of the gods. And what what I really liked about this book is... Uh, it's written by Rick Riordan, and it was, you know, allegedly he got the idea when his son asked him to tell him stories, and his son was actually learning about Greek history at the time, and his son also suffers from dyslexia and ADHD. So in this story, uh, Riordan made a character that suffers from dyslexia and ADHD. Uh, Percy has that, but then they explain it because he's a demigod, he has hyper-focused battle sense, and dyslexia comes from he's more attuned to reading Greek letters and things like that. So I like that he used, used his son as an inspiration for this. I thought that was pretty a pretty cool back note on this one. Yeah, I do like that. It's a, it's a cool way to turn what a lot of people would perceive as like a, a weakness into like something cool that's that has a purpose. Yeah. Just going on a little bit more, I had said I had gotten Harry Potter vibes from this book. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. The book basically follows three characters. It's Percy himself, his friend Annabelle, who's also a demigod, and then a satyr whose name is Grover. And so you have like a trio of friends going on this quest trying to stop something very, very much like Harry Potter. But I, I looked ahead a little bit in the future books, and it looks like the cast actually rotates a little bit where Percy goes on a quest with other other people uh instead of the same characters every time which i think is a, a cool spin on it yeah you, you say grover and all i can think of is the sesame street character <laughs> do you think this is gonna turn into like a harry potter where like if, if it's all demigods and like half half humans even if they do split the the cast up and they like rotate three different people is it gonna be like a Hogwarts situation where they're all in like classes together and are going on like adventures together. I I'm torn. I really thought that's the direction they were going after the first book because you know, they have a area where the demigods all hang out, but it's not a Hogwarts. It's a summer camp, but some people can stay there full time. And I thought like Percy was going to stay there as a full time uh, student or whatever camper. 
but he ended up going back to the real world. So now it seems like instead of the school year, my guess is that every book's going to be him doing some sort of adventure during his three month summer camp. So it's like Harry Potter, but slightly different. Hmm. Who is the god that is one of Percy's parents, or is that the spoiler you don't want to go? I don't think it's really a spoiler at this point. I mean, there's a movie, and it, it comes up within the first, I don't know, 25% of the book. Like, it, 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 his parents, Poseidon, his, her, sorry, his dad's Poseidon, and it's heavily hinted at early on because they talk about the sea and all this stuff where, you know, if you're a kid, maybe you want to figure it out, but I, I think most adult readers would be able to pick that out pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured since it was like Zeus's lightning bolt, and I mean, just the way stories usually go, I just assumed he was going to be Zeus's son. Yeah, so I, I'm glad they didn't go in that direction. I I feel like, I, you know, I used to really be into Greek mythology when I was younger, and I I never liked Zeus that much, so I'm glad Poseidon got, uh, got a showing on this one. Uh, but I will say, I really did like what they did with the Greek mythology in this one. They gave it a little bit of a you know, 21st century update in a way that you would do when you're making a young adult book. But, you know, you, you do meet a lot of different monsters in this one in Gods. There's satyrs, centaurs, manicors, minotaurs, medusa, cerberus, and they all have a, a little bit of a different spin on them, which I like. Like, for example, the satyrs, they, they stuff their shoes so that they can walk around and hide their goat legs, and they wear, like, Rasta hats to hide their horns. So th- <laughs> they exist in the real world, but they're all, like, in hiding in some way. It it really reminds me a little bit, not much, but, like, American God's Light, where, you know, these things exist, and they're still running around the mortal world, just, like, no one notices them. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Do we get a real look at any of the like actual Greek gods? I mean, I know it, it's it focuses around Zeus's lightning bolt getting stolen, but how much of the the story actually involves the like the original like mythological gods? Uh, surprisingly, uh, a lot actually. So you meet Zeus, you meet Poseidon, you meet Hades, and so that's that's like the big three, and you meet Ares, and then Hephaestus, Hephaestus, I forget how you pronounce his name. Hephaestus. Hephaestus, yeah. He's like sort of ancillary, where you don't meet him, but he comes into the story a little bit. And then you actually meet a lot of the gods and goddesses' children. So yeah, you, you did meet a lot more than I thought you would, uh, especially for a first book. That's cool, man. Like, I, I keep telling myself that I should pick this up, and... I think the fact that it's young adult kind of stops me. Like I've read YA books that have been pretty good, and I've also read ones that have been really not. But I was real into Greek mythology as a kid, and I, I feel like I would enjoy this. Yeah, I will. I will say it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I was bored, and I wanted an easy book to read. I think I ended up. Um, I have like the 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 library app on your phone, so I can get ebooks. It was like three hundred pages on a phone so i don't know what that actually translates <laughs> to into real book pages uh, i read it in about three days it's it's a really quick read and it's a, it's a fun one but you can definitely tell that it is directed towards it, it's written for a younger audience so that's why it's such a quick read but you know i legitimately wish i had read this book a bit early like i would have loved this i think when i was in middle school or something like that Currently, it sits at a 4.24 out of 5 on Goodreads, and there was a film adaptation in 2010, which I never saw, but I'm pretty sure it was, it, it like, bombed. I don't think it did very well, because it did not get a sequel. It, it did get a sequel. 
It did? Yeah, there were two of them. Did you see them? I didn't see either. It was the Lightning Thief and... Oh, God. Something on the... I'm reading the second one, right? Or I downloaded the second one. I can't remember the name. It's like On the Sea of Despair or something like that. Yeah. I'm surprised. I didn't know it got a second one. So overall, I would definitely suggest if you like like Harry Potter style books or you like young adult fiction or, or things like that, uh, I would check this one out. It's definitely a really quick read. Yeah, I had wanted to, if I had time this week, I was going to try and watch the movie just so the two of us could have like a, a compare contrast because I did hear that the movie was awful and nobody hates the film adaptations more than Rick Riordan does. Really? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He is very vocal on like Twitter and Tumblr about how, how unhappy he is with the movies. I will say movie adaptations of kids' books have actually... not kid, Well, young adult kids' books, however you want to classify it, has actually turned me away from wanting to read these because I saw the previews for Percy Jackson and I did not think it looked very good. Same with, I think it was Aragon or something like that, the one with the dragon. I never read those, but people say the book is like really good. Yeah, the book was famous back in the day because it was published by like a 15-year-old. Really? Yeah, it, he was like, maybe he was 17, but like he was super young for getting like his, his first novel published. And yeah, the <laughs> I I had friends that read it and they they all said it was great. And the movie was, it was fine. Like I, I remember watching it and enjoying it, but like it, it, does, it doesn't really stick with me. I remember Jeremy Irons is in it and basically nothing else. You know what's funny is, you know, I read all the Harry Potter books and I, I do not like the movies. I like the first three movies. I really like the third one. I think that's by far the best one. But there are people out there who have only seen the movies and it's weird because the books are so much better. Yeah, those people are wild to me. Like, I, I know a bunch of people that are like, oh, yeah, I watched the movies. And I'm like, mm. like the, yeah, some of them are awful, honestly, to, to me anyway. Like, I walked out of the sixth one physically angry uh was what was the sixth one was that uh half-blood prince yeah yeah that was bad my least favorite one i think is the fourth one because they just started adding scenes that were not in the book and it was already like a long movie yeah yeah i think my my favorites are seven and eight i've watched them a whole bunch of times yeah we're <laughs> we're off track so uh you you said you did you would recommend this yeah i definitely would recommend checking it out especially I do want to give a shout out to, I think it's called OneDrive or Overdrive or something like that. It's a library app where, uh, depending on where you are, you can just download audiobooks and ebooks to your phone or your tablet. It's really useful. Uh, and I've actually been reading a fair bit more now because I've downloaded that and I don't have to go to the library to pick up a book. Well, yeah, I hope you stick the, stick with the series. And I know it, it has like two or three spinoff series as well where they go into like Norse gods and stuff too. So I'll be interested to see if, if you stick with it that far or not. I do want to finish the five uh, of the main series and then we'll see if I end up going to the spinoffs or not. <laughs> this week, both Christian and I watched the movie Cooties. Christian, you were the one who picked this one to watch this week. Uh, what what drew you to this movie? Uh, the cover art <laughs> and the and the title. To be honest, I uh, I picked this, and honestly, I didn't even watch the trailer. Like I I saw who was in it, I saw the name of the movie and like the the synopsis on Hulu, and I was like, you know what, I'm in, I'm in on this for sure. So I I went into it basically completely blind. So when you said we're, you know, we should watch this one, 
I watched the trailer and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love this movie. <laughs> and then I watched it and was severely disappointed. I thought the Were trailer you? was better than the movie. I mean, it was fine, <laughs> but the trailer had like all the good stuff I wanted. And then a lot of this movie just drag, dragged on for parts. Yeah. So the the basic plot of this movie is that there is a zombie plague that only affects prepubescent people. So it's only kids. Anyone who's gone through puberty only gets like mild flu symptoms and nothing else. Whereas the kids go crazy and start eating people. And so the teachers of this like summer school are like barring themselves in their classrooms, trying to survive all these kids who are now trying to eat them. Yeah. And that is such a good premise. Oh yeah, for sure. And they have a crazy cast. They have Elijah Wood, Rain Wilson, Jack McBrayer, Hurley from Lost. Yeah, oh, Hurley from Lost. <laughs> so, my favorite character by a mile was the weird guy. The weird teacher who was shown at the beginning to be reading a book called How to Have a Normal Conversation. Yeah, I think his name was Doug. Yeah, Doug was the best. Just the line, sometimes, he's talking about how he had like a brain injury as a child. And then he says, so you may or may not have noticed sometimes when I'm talking, I use the wrong rowboat and just carries on. (laughs) Like he had me cracking up. Yeah. He, I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me, especially when he like, he, I guess he's a science teacher and he was just rummaging around the kid's brain. And he, he had the best lines in the movie. And I want to say, I think he really was like the, the premise of this makes it seem like it's going to be a comedy horror film. I think he was really the only comedic relief in it. The rest of it was pretty much just a horror film. Yeah, that's I I have in my notes here like it was it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Like it it suffered from not being sure if it wanted to be more comedy or more horror, so they didn't really go 100% in either direction, and it definitely didn't walk the line of being both quite as well as like Zombieland did. Because that's what this felt like to me. It felt like like a riff on Zombieland that, that didn't quite land where they wanted it to. Yeah, like Zombieland or maybe Shaun of the Dead, like they had the quick cuts in a couple of the things where that they've had in Evil Dead and that they replicated in Shaun of the Dead. But, you know, it wasn't even done to a very good effect. And then they never like did it again. Like there weren't... What makes a lot of those movies good is there's like repeat gags or things that like they bring the jokes back and this one didn't have that at all it had one that i really thought was funny the first time and then like the second third and fourth time it popped up i was kind of done with it which was rain wilson struggling over the dual rear wheel axle or whatever he was trying to say and like because each time it happened it went on too long yeah i forgot yeah that was like i was like i can't believe they're going for this again (laughs) yeah it went on much too long um yeah, Rain Wilson is in this movie. Elijah Wood is in this movie. Allison Pill is in this movie. Like Jack McBrayer, who I feel like I've covered on a couple other episodes of this, who I love, is in this. And like they they were acting their hearts out and it just it wasn't fully doing it for me. Yeah, I don't I don't think the script was very strong, but I do gotta say my one of my favorite scenes was Hurley sitting in the car, uh, <laughs> tripping balls after doing mushrooms, just watching kids kill each other. Like, not sure if it's really happening or not. Yeah, his walkie-talkie call to the principal where he was like, 
I think the kids might be eating the teachers, but I'm on medication, so I may be not seeing what I think I'm seeing. And then when the giraffe showed up in his in his van, and he's like, oh man, did you take mushrooms too? Uh, one complaint I did have about this movie, though, is they are not clear what this disease is. I'm going to just like list what they say and then things that happen. So, you know, the kids get the disease from eating uh, tainted chicken nuggets. But it's very unclear on how it's transmitted. There's a scene of a kid just going around, like, scratching other kids, and they have it. You know, like, so it's it's un- it just a scratch does it, but there's no transfer of bodily fluids. They say it's a virus, so when you just need to touch the person, uh, the adults don't change because they hit puberty. But then, and uh, part of the uh, explanation, Doug says that their brains are rotting, so all they know how to really do is jump and eat and run. But then you have these kids taking out communication systems. You have them working as groups. You have them hunting them. Like, things that do not make any sense for this disease. Like, they're showing actual intelligence. And also, the kids are super strong. They rip one of the teacher's arms off? That's pretty hard to do, man. Oh, yeah. And when the kid is running through the playground scratching people, the incubation period on this disease is, like, a second. Well, it's weird because the first girl was, like, diseased. It took her, like, a full day. Yeah, and the other kid takes, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes between when, like, he goes to the nurse's office. And, yeah, when he's scratching kids on the playground, the incubation period is, is on it's 10 seconds tops. Like, he scratches them, and by the time he makes it to the next kid, the previous kid is already, like, full zombie. I, I don't know if you picked it up. My, my favorite line in this movie is just some random teacher who ran by their group and says, follow me, I do CrossFit. And then he just <laughs> ran outside and got killed. I was yeah. dying at that line, actually. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did, I did like him. What what worked on this movie for you and what didn't work? I think the cast worked. Like I said, they were working real hard. I I did like the plot, like the, the, the broad strokes anyway. I, I really did like the whole premise of the, the film. I could have done without the like love triangle that they shoehorned into it. And I mean, I, like, I, I know how you feel about romantic subplots. But yeah, the, the whole Rain Wilson-Elijah Wood dynamic was uh, pretty tired by the end. It's weird, too. Like, this, this movie was paced oddly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember stopping at 37 minutes in and thinking, like, I thought this would be funnier. The first 20 minutes are essentially setting up Elijah Wood as just a horrible teacher... You know, and being like a creeper, and then the next 20 minutes are all the kids breaking out, and then they're just hanging out in rooms for a lot of it, and then it starts to pick up when they go to duck work, and then you get to the last 20 or 30 minutes when they finally suit up and start fighting the kids, and that's when I really started liking the movie. That's what I thought it was going to be the whole time, was just teachers fighting kids, (laughs) and it wasn't, so I was was really disappointed, but I I did like the last 20, 30 minutes of it. Well, I want to go back just for a minute to you saying it's it sets up basically Elijah Wood being a terrible teacher. So he like he's that novelist and he he wants the kids to like read and critique his novel for for schoolwork. And I'm thinking like, okay, he's not a teacher though. Like he's a sub and he's just doing this job because he has no money or whatever and he lied to Allison Pill. But then Towards the end of the movie, he's like, oh, I was lying. I am really a teacher. And I, f- I didn't want to tell you that because I felt like a failure. And I was like, so he, he's not like he is actually a teacher and he's still this bad at his job. 
Did you like the name of his book, though? Oh, my God. I had to pause it, like, because I missed probably three or four full lines of dialogue because I was laughing so hard. His book is about a haunted boat or an evil possessed boat, and it's called Kill Them All. And I seriously, like, I had to, I had to pause the movie. So that's the thing, like, they had a couple funny things here and there, but, like, overall, it just, I wish they had leaned more into the comedic side, because when I was watching it, I felt like they took a comedic premise, and they're like, alright, let's turn this into a horror movie, but, like you said, not commit 100% to horror, so it's just, like, a weird premise, some comedy, and then a lot of gore that I don't think really lands. Yeah, that's what, that like, that was the first thing that i i really noticed was it's i expected this to be like i said like almost a zombie land where it's mostly comedy and it became gruesome very quickly like when he pulls that girl's hair and like the hair rips off of her skull and i was like "Ooh, i don't like that yeah and then she just bites his cheek off <laughs> uh, yeah which then he peels off later and i was not a fan of that either I will say the best gruesome part about this, though, was when they killed the 13-year-old Patriot and they ran the chicken <laughs> through him. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty good. I also liked when they were eating the vice principal and <laughs> Rain Wilson was like, hey, listen, we've all wanted to do that to the <laughs> vice principal. Oh, my. That's the thing. Like, this movie could have been good. It's like we mentioned some funny parts and then it'd be like 10 minutes of nothing. One other thing I just want to point out was there's no way anyone would have eaten those infected chicken nuggets. They were like black and moldy. Kids aren't that stupid, and parents wouldn't serve them. They were clearly something wrong with them. <laughs> uh, okay, so just some background facts on this. Uh, this film was released in 2015. It was directed by Jonathan Millot and Carrie Murnion. Uh, and why I, I find this really, uh, really cool is... They actually go on to direct the movie Bushwick, which I had talked about earlier this year, a movie that I really loved starring Dave Bautista. And it's not the same premise, but it is the idea of like society's falling because uh, an invading army was like attacking New York City. So it was hyper violent, but also like hyper realistic. And you could see some of the trappings that they ended up going in with that, like some of the camera work where they had some of the longer shots of them running through hallways you would later see. So I thought that was just pretty cool that uh, you had picked a movie, uh, kind of a niche movie that they had also directed another more niche movie that I had also seen. <laughs> Box office, this made $485,000 and or and I do not know what their budget was, but I imagine it was more than that. Yeah, I, like I know this this did not get a wide release. It was a super limited release and then it went to like video on demand. Do you know the, how this fared with the critics? Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes has it sitting at a 45 for critics and a 37% for audience. Uh, I would not put it much higher than 45. I'd probably put it higher than the 37, but like like I said, like there was nothing really special about this movie. It didn't need to reinvent the wheel, but they could have put a little more of something into it. Yeah, so if you guys want to check this out, it's on Hulu. It's an 88-minute runtime. Uh, Christian, would you recommend our audience check this one out? Uh, you know, yeah, probably. Like if you're if you're just cruising through Hulu and you're like, what can I watch? This this will this will do the trick. Um, it it won't leave you jumping for joy, but it'll definitely entertain you for a little while. I was oddly hoping for like a sequel. Honestly, like as soon as the credits rolled, I googled Cooties too, 
to see if it was a thing because it ends on like a half-hearted cliffhanger and it, it's like they had planned uh, like a throw to a sequel and then as they made it they realized it wasn't going to work but they committed to it anyway and so like i was like oh man like this movie ended just as it was starting to get like interesting i would love to see where it goes from here but yeah i mean <laughs> with it making less than half a mil there's no way this movie's getting a sequel yeah, I had actually read your show notes before I watched it, so then when we got to the end, I kind of I was like, oh, I can I can see where Christian was getting that because the ending they go out and they realize it's more of a pandemic than they thought, and I was getting vibes from like the ending of Resident Evil One to Resident Evil Two, where you go from like a uh, like the mansion to the city and the city's destroyed. I don't know if I would recommend this one to our audience. This movie had the trappings to be good, I or at least a movie that I would really enjoy. I I thought the premise was hilarious. They had a cast that I really liked, but they just, you know, the final execution was flawed. If you're a big fan of anyone in that cast, I would say check it out. Uh, Otherwise, I would recommend checking out Bushwick instead. (laughs) This week, Hellboy was released on DVD, and now, Christian, you had a chance to check this one out when it was in theaters what did you think of this one? Uh, oh, boy. So, I did want to review this back when it first came out in theaters, but we were in the middle of our Marvel episodes, and so I decided I was just going to wait until it came out on DVD, but I definitely still wanted to talk about this. Guys, this movie is bad. Like, it's it's bad. And I, I guess, first and foremost, it's gross. That's, that's a little bit surprising to me, because... You know, I really enjoyed the uh, the original two Hellboys, and they were I think they were PG thirteen. This one went to an R rating, didn't it? Oh yeah, and it goes it runs to that R rating. It gets there very quickly. I also really liked the first two Hellboys. I was excited ish when I heard another one was coming out. I was less excited when I found out it was a reboot, and then I was less excited still after I saw the first trailer. Because the trailer made it out to be basically as bad as it was. I love David Harbour. I love him in The Newsroom. I love him in Stranger Things. He was a fine Hellboy. But you can't you can't recast that role now. Ron Perlman is absolutely iconic in that role. It would be like trying to reboot Deadpool with a new actor. You just can't do it. Yeah, that's the thing. Ron Perlman crushed the original role. His... I mean, I know he's in a ton of makeup, but his voice is so good for Hellboy. Yeah, I don't know who thought it was necessary to to reboot the series. Uh, what about the rest of the cast? Did anyone do a particularly good job in this one? I mean, everybody kind of tried, but I feel like they all kind of knew what they were in. I mean, speaking of Resident Evil, Mila Jovovich is the antagonist in this series. She plays Nimue. She's like an evil queen witch sorceress who wants to like bring hell to to the planet Earth. Um, so they're they're up against her. Ian McShane plays the father figure to Hellboy. And weirdly, if you'd have put a gun to my head and asked me who played the father figure in the original series, I would have told you Ian McShane. But I looked and it was John Hurt, and that kind of blew my mind. I, I'm going. To, I know, like none of the original cast makes an appearance, but 
there there are characters from the comics. Do any of the characters from the comics and the original movies make an appearance uh, in this one, like Abe? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a, a little bit spoilery, but Abe Sapien only makes a, like, I mean, I hesitate to even call it a cameo. It's basically a throw to, to the sequel. He He is the mission that they go on in the post credit scene. It ends with them in Siberia invading this, like Russian base, and at the bottom is a, a water tank that's labeled Abe Sapien, and you see like a fish hand come up against the glass. So that was a, a disappointment because I really liked him in the original series, and he was not in this at all. Uh, one of his partners in this is a girl who can talk to ghosts, and oh boy, is that really unpleasant. She She's a medium, and she can touch a body of a recently deceased person and then a like it looks like intestines shoot out of her mouth and form into the appearance of the person who had died and then that starts talking oh man i i always wanted to read hellboy but i never got around to it i am curious if this takes more inspiration from the comics than the first movies did or if like they just have gone out to left field with this I mean, it may. I could see the comics being kind of gross, uh, and they just like they they chilled it out a little bit to get the PG thirteen rating before, which I think it was the the right move. Because yeah, there is th- this movie just delights in like gore and body horror, and it is it's not very fun. Uh, so, were there actually any cool like monsters in this one? I know that the previews. I think they had a troll or something. He does fight a troll. He, he fights, I think, three of them. That was like the fighting scenes were cool. Like so, the one of the reasons that I was still hopeful for this movie going, and even after the trailer looked disappointing, was that the monsters did look really cool, and some of them the designs were outstanding. Like there's there's this thing that walks through Tower Bridge in London that it it looks super cool. There's this thing that has like knives for legs, but they basically all just immediately engage in the gratuitous gore again and it was it just became gross and they're also only really on screen for about five minutes right at the end the trolls are about halfway through but there are some cool some cool things like one of his other teammates is a were jaguar which is not something i had ever seen before and the whole time he's he keeps dropping these hulk lines like oh like don't upset me or like you don't want to see my other side or whatever and he's got these scars like these scratch scars on his face i'm like ah oh, he's a werewolf he's a werewolf and then at the end he turned into a were jaguar and i was like oh yes <laughs> do you know how this one actually uh fared at the box office not well is the answer because pretty much everybody shared the opinion that i had i mean we we can get into the rotten tomatoes first it's it sits at 17% critic score uh 53% audience i think the 17 sounds about right and that's definitely reflected in its box office rankings so it grossed 21 million just shy of 22 million in the us its budget was over 50 million so it didn't even make half its budget back man that uh, i'm not i'm not surprised i remember when this came out it w- i think at one point it was sitting at a zero percent on rotten tomatoes critic score yep yeah that was the week it came out i think i i remember seeing that and thinking like oh boy yeah i was real just because i was actually kind of looking forward to this one and i was like ah might not be seeing it now 
Yeah, it was a, a pretty big disappointment. I think I know the answer to this one, but would you recommend our audience check this one out? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, now in the MCU news, Disney and Sony have essentially failed in their discussions to try and continue having Spider-Man appear in the MCU. And as it seems right now, he is basically out unceremoniously uh, because of their disagreements. Uh, Do you know anything about this, Christian? I know it makes me real mad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... I'm not super familiar with the world of like contract negotiations and especially as they pertain to this kind of stuff. But from what I understood, Sony was kind of leasing Spider-Man to Disney and they were retaining 70% of the profits and Disney was getting 30% or, or thereabouts. And after like the enormous success of Spider-Man as a character in the Disney franchises, Disney came back thinking they had a much better like bargaining position and said they wanted 50 50 or nothing and so sony said nah and just and walked i know that there are some talks in there too about it wasn't just uh like i think the mcu was also fronting a large majority of the cost of producing those movies and kevin feige was like part of the negotiations was he had to be involved in it and he couldn't be anymore so you know, but I think the main driver was the profit sharing, and they just could not come to a number. Yeah, like I, I get that it's business, and I get that this kind of stuff happens, but I can't come to grips with the fact that this was allowed to happen. Like the MCU just set up Spider-Man basically as the face of Phase Four, and now and now he's just out. Yeah, I haven't seen Homecoming, but that's primarily what I've heard. And I'm just saying they're thinking that's a bold move to do on a character you do not retain the rights for. Yeah, like, yeah, in this in this latest one, they absolutely 100% set him up as like the new face of the franchise. And yeah, I I had posted on Facebook that we we had been going back and forth, me and, and some of my friends and coworkers about how Sony can't be trusted to make a good Spider-Man movie by themselves. But they made Spider-Verse, and and credit to them on that one. But the problem is that we're not going to get Spider-Verse. We're not going to get like a, a, a Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire, which, which was all right. We're going to get more Tom Holland movies that aren't a part of the MCU. And we're going to get MCU movies that can't talk about Spider-Man. So you're going to have Tom Holland running around, I guess, pretending like Iron Man never existed after he has this like very emotional situation in, in Far From Home, and we've got an MCU that has no Spider-Man after setting him up as the face of the franchise. And so it's like we're getting two half franchises that are both, both worse off than they would have been if they'd have never been combined in the first place. Sorry, I, I did not hear about this. Tom Holland is still going to be playing Spider-Man for Sony. I assume that they would just reboot Spider-Man at this point. As as far as I knew, they were planning on continuing making Tom Holland movies. Did Tom Holland have a contract with them? I'm not sure. Because he's, from what I've seen, he's pretty upset. I could not imagine him working with Sony. I, yeah, I know a lot of people are upset, a lot, a lot of the actors. I, I saw an interview that was, I mean, goofy because it's Jeff Goldblum, but an interview with Jeff Goldblum where he basically found out on like live TV 
that Spider-Man wasn't part of the MCU anymore. And he was, he's like, oh my goodness, this is just terrible. I'm curious if Sony does this because they were in a they were in a pretty bad spot with Spider-Man uh, movies when they agreed to this. And then in the past year, they had Venom and Spider-Verse. And both of those, I, I, you know, Venom was, it was fine. It, it's not great, but it made them money. And then Spider-Verse was awesome. I, I feel like they might be feeling themselves and they're going to regret it because I think their next movie coming out is Morbius, the vampire one. <laughs> and I cannot imagine that's going to do uh, gangbusters at the box office. Yeah, it definitely seemed to me like both both companies went into this negotiation thinking they were on better footing than they actually were. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like Spider-Man essentially had a golden like a resurgence in the past 2 years. I mean, uh, 2 or 3 years whenever um Homecoming came out, he was in the Avengers movies. Far From Home just came out. Uh the PS4 Spider-Man game was awesome. You had Spider-Verse like he was riding high. And I think he's. I think the character is going to fall off a cliff again. Unfortunately, yeah, it's it's really a shame because I get like I get invested in movies that get canceled, right? Like I I I've talked a little bit about this in the past with especially with like YA movies or like YA novels that get made into movies. Like I love the Golden Compass, and that never got a sequel, although it's getting a TV show now. I I really like Beautiful Creatures when it came out, and that never got a sequel. But these are like one offs. I can't. I just can't come to grips with the fact that there is a series like this that Spider-Man, as Tom Holland, has now been in five MCU properties. He is, like, universally beloved, and these two companies are just <laughs> are, are having a disagreement, and so they're just like, nobody gets Spider-Man anymore. Alright guys, now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap, Christian is going to read a 5 star Amazon review for a movie, and then I will get 2 yes or no questions to help me narrow down what the movie is. I can then either guess or ask for another review. Uh, I can then get two, 2 more yes or no questions, I can again either guess or get another review, and then I get uh, finally my last 2 questions and I have to guess. And if I get on the first try it's 3 points, second try 2 points, third try 1 point. And we're keeping score for the year. Christian, I am ready when you are. Okay. Been watching this since childhood, and still this never gets old. Perfect to watch any time for a good laugh and great action scenes. These two oddballs are a great duo, and honestly, the movies would never be the same without them. Classic action comedy. So glad Prime has it now since they didn't before. Please get the sequel as well soon. Uh, this is clearly Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's already on Prime. <laughs> uh, uh, does this uh, involve Jackie Chan? It does. Um, is this the first in a... Oh, shit. Shoot. I'm trying to think. So it's either... My guess is it's either Shanghai Noon... Shanghai Nights are one of the rush hours. Is this the first movie in a series? It is. Uh, I'm going. I'm just going. Is this rush hour? It is. Man, you you narrowed that down real fast. You got. You said like buddy cop movie or something, and I was like, or buddy movie, and I was like, that's the only one I can think of. <laughs> All 
Alright guys, thanks for checking out our episode. Before we head out, Christian, what are you going to be checking out this week? Well, I'm going to be doing some reading. I'm, I'm in the middle of a book now. There's not a lot coming out in theaters this week. Honestly, our theater is getting back Toy Story and uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So I, I might watch Spider-Man again. Uh, other than that, I'm just going to be playing some games. I, I'm hoping to watch Mindhunter Season 2. That's probably the uh, the biggest thing on my list for this week. I heard it's good. Yeah, I really, really like the first season. I'm, I'm excited to get into the second one. This week, uh, I'm going to watch the D&D documentary, Secrets of Blackmore, The True History of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm pretty excited to check that one out. I recently downloaded um, Dragon's Dogma Dark Risen for the Switch, so I might be messing around with that because I saw it's a pretty long game and I didn't want to go for the Platinum. I'm still working for the Platinum on Neo, which it's going to be rough. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Otherwise, that's about it. Uh, football, college football really starts for me uh, this weekend, so I'll be checking out some of that as well. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. If you liked what you heard, please uh, either subscribe to our podcast or write a review for us. We'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, if you want to reach us, we we have the email address gambots.blog at gmo.com, or you can find us on Twitter. We are at Gambots Network. If you have a suggestion uh, for an Amazon review game, please let us know. We'll probably try and use it. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.